1: Welcome to the show with Levi Solicitors, 20% off for key workers at the moment, 10% off still for you if you go through the square ball, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan and remotely with me is Michael Normanson. Hello. And so is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. You can still get hold of Father's Day gifts if you want from our merch store. Do check the times on the delivery at the minute as well, uh, because some of the stuff is coming back into stock and it won't quite be ready for Father's Day. But hopefully, fingers crossed, the brand new Bielsa mugs, that's the one that everybody seems to want, will be back in store uh, this week, talking to you on Monday the 8th. So they should be back in stock in the next couple of days and delivered in time for Father's Day. We've got the Leeds Street Fighter mugs on there as well. Coasters, and you can get all them. Links to those at thesquareball.net. Well, finally, we have dates and times for the return of football, boys. And it's made it all a little bit more real, hasn't it?
2: Scary again, all of a sudden. I realised for the prep for this I had to look at a league table again and it terrified me.
3: Of course, we're starting at noon on a Sunday. Bloody sky. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. At least there are a few Saturdays between uh, now and the end of the season. I hope it's cold. I want some cold Saturdays.
2: I mean, on the plus side, at least there's none of the inconvenience for fans, which is the main thing that I normally think of when sky moving games around. At least it's justifiable at the moment. Not that it would stop them. I mean, they would have us playing at, at 12 on a Sunday anyway. You know, at least no one's actually been upset by this.
1: It does beg the question of exactly what Leeds United are going to do, because I have seen a few questions raised on Twitter about travelling and overnight accommodation, because you would presume they're going to travel down on the Saturday and then stay overnight into the Sunday when we kick off at lunchtime.
2: I mean, I've done Leeds to Cardiff on a bus and back in a day, and I can tell you it wasn't pleasant.
3: I think a lot of this stuff is still to be confirmed aspects, isn't it, that some championship managers mentioning their names, Gary Mugg. Are, uh, are still very whinging about. So, These problems haven't been solved with that. We're we getting bass. you well, know i putting the group on a plane. I imagine Bielsa probably worked it all out weeks ago. There was a snakes on a plane joke that he could have done. But... <laughs> if we remember in uh, the summary, came that Bielsa had um, architectural drawings of Thorpe Arch even before anybody asked him to take over at Leeds United. I can't imagine he doesn't have every hotel in South Wales mapped and uh and rated and planned he'll have been on TripAdvisor for for months trying to work out which ones can have like a lockdown area which ones will be secure where's the most space the best bedrooms it'll all be sorted out
2: his coaches are currently driving up and down the m4 as we speak
3: they'll be standing on the uh pavement outside the entrance to a travel lodge in cardiff watching people going in and out through binoculars
1: just wondering what the mood in the town is before we play there in a couple of weeks time and it would not surprise me at all if uh, Bielsa hadn't worked out the fixture schedule for the entire football league to be perfectly honest cuz he's probably better at it than they are
2: he wouldn't have had 12 o'clock on a sunday
1: although it does give us a little bit of extra prep time versus the other clubs so obviously we're already going into it with a massive advantage
2: i mean by the time brentford have beaten fulham on the um, the saturday before we'll basically just need to win that one game to win the title won't we promotion will
3: be sealed this is what um helped bugger us up last season when every weekend it seemed like all the other games were happening before ours and we had the the big sinking feeling of if we didn't do this now if we don't win now they've gone and won and all the pressure's on so there's that slight return of that because if Fulham do win then we've got that then we've got to go to Cardiff and we know Cardiff away was it a Sunday lunchtime when we played them in the FA Cup at Ninian Park the game that started absolutely everything going wrong that we've never recovered from.
2: I seem to remember that being later in the day, but I might be wrong. Maybe it just felt dark. It was winter, wasn't
3: it? Yeah, I think um, even a lunchtime in June, I'm not. Ex- I'm expecting the floodlights to be on and the, uh, the contrast to be harsh.
1: The fixtures are exactly as was laid out in the same order anyway, before the lockdown and the shutdown of the game. Are we fine with that?
3: Makes sense, doesn't it? There were some arguments that you could rearrange them geographically in the hope that things get better over time. So we would play Barnsley first because they're closest to us and then gradually work your way. So Blackburn's not as far. Derby, although the um, the national police chief wanted us to play Derby in Southampton, which seemed to be a, an interesting way of, of viewing the need for only essential travel, taking two football clubs to the very south coast from the north of England and the Midlands seemed like a mad idea and, and thankfully he was swiftly put back in his box over there but that was one rationale that you'd, you'd kind of do it that way but um, I think just sticking to the plan makes a lot more sense. I quite liked it I think we've seen already that people are allowed to
2: flood to the beaches and have a nice party on there South Coast leads promotion it'd be lovely.
3: He really didn't know his history that guy did he?
2: Yeah it is odd that they came up with Southampton I have to say there were many state football stadiums in between that could have been suitable for this but uh, it'll, be, it'll be fine just
3: playing where they're meant to be playing the whole thing with that I know we touched on it the other week but that was before we had this daft idea of us playing in uh, in Southampton had come up but there does seem to have been a lot of kind of the uh, the very top brass of police coming up with this madcap scheme and then the police on the ground West Yorkshire Police Derby Police in this case the Merseyside Police with all the Liverpool games is going don't be so fucking stupid
1: The theory, I guess, behind it is where's the place that Leeds fans would least likely to go, or anyone for that matter. I think, like you say, they underestimate our capacity, A, to disobey advice, uh, B, our proclivity for South Coast towns in the sunshine. I
2: mean, we sell out every away game. It doesn't matter where it is. We, We sell out Southampton every time we play them. I don't know why they think people wouldn't go to Southampton, Southampton as opposed to not wanting to go to Derby. The same number of people would go to Southampton as would go to Derby, potentially more because it's a nicer place. And
3: potentially more because it had been we'd be making a point. I think it, it'll be easy to say to say to these fans, don't go to Derby because you could bugger up um, our chances of promotion if you if you cause a problem outside the stadium. But as soon as you then deliberately move the game all the way to Southampton, it's like right. That's what you think then, is it? We're we're all A challenge. Yeah, I we're see. all off to fucking Southampton and fuck you. Nobody will go to Derby under the normal round of fixtures if it's just as arranged as go, up. yeah, no, serious situation, coronavirus. Seen it on the news, stay at home for that one. But as soon as you start fucking things about based on expected bad behaviour, that's when people misbehave.
1: Well, all you got to do is put it in the place that nobody wants to go to, which is what I was going to say before about the misjudgment of Southampton. It's obvious, isn't it? Play it in Milton Keynes. Nobody wants to be in Milton Keynes.
2: I can confirm I've been to Milton Keynes a couple of times. And yes, it's a strange place, the, both the football stadium and the town.
1: I mean, we spent ages working out permutations and looking at them in relation to the league table before this was all knocked on the head a couple of months ago. And I, I've deliberately forgotten all the permutations because I had got to a point yet again for the second year on the bounce where Leeds United was causing me inordinate amounts of stress and anxiety so over this break I deliberately disengaged from working out how this could work out especially with everything all up in the air but you we are still seven points clear with nine games to go we are 66 to one on in the betting odds today with Skybet to get promoted 66 to one on that means if you bet 66 pounds you will get one pound back that's it.
2: And your stake. That would be a really bad deal otherwise.
3: How much are you laying us, Michael?
2: Well, I've already done it, haven't I? I've always, I've, I'm have already. i trying to decide whether or not I should reinvest my Dominic Cummings winnings on betting on us not to go up. I think I saw someone saying it's worth 14 to 1 to not go up. Uh, is available at BetVictor, I think. But I've already got some bets no on No need list.
3: to promote them. We just need to... <laughs> um, the, the, if ever there was a time for it to backfire on both us and West Brom it is probably the next nine games because both clubs and to be fair to West Brom and Slavon Bilic has a slightly higher profile than Marcelo Bielsa but he's been saying exactly the sort of things that we've enjoyed hearing from um, Angus Kinnear from Leeds where it's just we want to go out there play the games we know that we could just um, call the season off now and and us and Leeds would go up but we want to do the right thing do it on the pitch all the right stuff. And we all know that good people never win in the uh, EFL. That's why Sean Harvey was such a success. So the odds, whatever the the bookies might say, really, really are stacked against us from purely the standpoint of good people having nice things happen to them. I mean, I'm hopeful that
2: Fulham are going to return because looking at the table again, if you take Fulham out of it, it's ten points down to Brentford. Um, if Fulham, no, eleven points down to Brentford. Sorry, if Fulham can return with Mitrovic carrying an extra couple of stone, which he looks capable of doing because he's always got a slight look of that anyway. If Scotty Parker's not not had the same effect on them as Bielsa, if they've all just been off sitting around eating Dominoes during lockdown, there's a chance they might start slowly and we'll get off to a flyer and maybe in two or three games we'll be, we can all just calm down a bit. But until that point, until that gap's about fifteen, I'm not going to be happy.
3: I would add as well. It's a while since I've looked at the table as well. So I'd I'd sort of forgotten about the form, our form, five wins out of the last five. But then you look at West Brom, they've won two of their previous five. Fulham have won two of the previous five. But then you're going down the table and you have to go down to eighth and Millwall for another team, Millwall for another team with two out of the last five. Bristol, who uh, have got Lee Johnson absolutely convinced that they're going up through the playoffs the last three, uh, five results are three defeats and two draws. Even after Millwall in eighth, there's only, you're going down to 12th before you've got a team with two wins out of five. There's no teams in the top half of the table apart from us really in good form. I know form goes out the window. This was the thing. Steve McManaman opened the, uh, the Borussia Dortmund match, the first one out of our lockdown, by talking about form and what the form table was. Uh, were showing, And it's probably irrelevant given the three-month gap that has been between games. But if past experience is any indicator of future results, we should be looking at... I mean, fucking Bristol City are going to get relegated if they carry on like that. Lee Johnson can fuck off. He's deluded. With
1: reference to that and Germany, a couple of the trends that have emerged from what's happened in Germany is... Number one, home advantage isn't such an advantage during lockdown, empty stadiums-style games. uh, We're seeing more away teams winning. And the second thing to note is that the bigger teams are prospering uh, from it in Germany. So all being well, we'll go to Cardiff and take advantage of the big teams winning and poor home form. And then when we get back to Ellen Road the week after, it will just be uh, big teams winning,
3: and that's fine. Cardiff can't have Sam Haman standing behind Ilhan Meslier's goal, encouraging people to throw bottles at him because he won't be there and neither will the bottle throwers of Ninian Park. So that's one advantage straight away.
2: Looking at the fixtures, I think there is a, I'm fairly happy with how they're falling as well. The gap, a week gap before we fly to Fulham is quite nice. And then the home games being midweek, that seems quite nice as well, generally speaking. I think that's an advantage. I'm not quite sure why. It just feels a bit more like we can take our time and we can be in again the next day after that and, I don't know. And I'm aware days of the week have all become a bit um, interchangeable in this period, but I don't know. It feels like a marginal advantage.
3: Elland Road under the floodlights, full or empty, is still beautiful. So that will be intimidating enough for Nathan Jones bringing Luton Town. If you remember after he played uh, played us with Stoke, he was out on the pitch taking a photograph of Elland Road under the floodlights on his mobile phone because he was so better than any church he'd ever seen is the quote from him that I've just made up. And uh, I think uh, that power will still be there at Elland Road, whether there's anybody in it, or just thousands of cardboard cutouts of people's faces as the other option to to try and generate an atmosphere.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, after being locked down for a couple of months, decided to take the car out on a bit of a drive just to, A, charge up the battery a wee bit because it had been sat idle for so bloody long. Uh, And I went from my glamorous surroundings in Bradford down the motorways and across to Leeds and then I went down the M621 just because I wanted to see Ellen Road again I wanted to remind myself what it looked like and it's still there she's still beautiful in her own shabby kind of needs a bit of uh, lipstick on her way but um, it'll be it'll be glorious just to see us back there I think and once the football kicks off it'll settle down a bit but what, what of these cardboard cutouts I mean we don't want to see a repeat of what's been happening around the world when characters like Harold Shipman have been sat in the stands at certain Stadia I mean, it depends on the cost of these things.
2: As you'd imagine, for me, it's going to be a, a tough sell trying to get me to part with any actual cash for one of these.
3: Premier League clubs, apparently, it's going to be about 25 quid, but with the majority of the takings going to local charities. Although I did discover, I was reading an article about this, and I don't know what it's going to be like in the Football League, but in the Premier League, the way that stadiums are going to look is apparently entirely under the control of the broadcasters, and as such, they're going to wrap the lower tiers of the stadiums basically to show sponsors' logos. I don't know if it's going to be... And again, this is just the the article I've read. It made When they they get down to actually playing, it could look very different. But the, the implication was that um, the lower tiers are just going to be covered in sheets with huge logos telling you to buy stuff and bet on things and go and do stuff um, whether you want to or not. And then the room... For these uh, cardboard cutouts will be kind of upper tiers. The, the the broadcasters are very generously saying, Oh, you can do what you want with your upper tiers because we probably won't put it on the fucking tally anyway. Whether that fills down as far as the the EFL, you'd have thought they would have tried this at Reading before now if they were going to if they were that worried about empty sheet empty seats showing up. A massive banner saying, Please don't make us give you a rebate. <laughs> Essentially, yes. It's um we we only owe them ten million out of the uh the championship, that's been decided, which is quite a good swizzle. If we can get up to the Premier League where they're on the hook for a minimum of £330 and we don't even have to pay it back, as far as I can tell, the EFL have done a deal so that they're they're basically paying this £10 million back out of future payments so they'll get less money in, in future seasons when we ain't fucking there, when we're just taking the money from the Premier League, drinking it all in, spending it all on anonymous strikers that it turns out that the clickbait sites have been accurate about all this time and we have to pretend we're any good much like Fulham
1: there has been some talk of all nine of our games being on um, on the telly in one form or another I mean the first two are already on Sky the Cardiff game and the Fulham game Saturday Saturday I mean Luton's midweek so you imagine that's going to be streamed on uh, oh sorry it'll be on the red button at least won't it so what do you reckon to that all nine being on it's like it's like Sky sports wet dream isn't it it's a glimpse into the future
2: this is all it is. This is it's going to happen soon enough, isn't it? Whether or not it's forced by coronavirus or teams wanting ever more money from TV deals, but the time is coming when this is going to be the case. I think
3: it does feel like quite a, a massive step forward into a sort of dystopian future that we thought would be creeping up on us. I have in recent weeks had a look at some of the people playing FIFA on Twitch in the pro leagues, which seems to be Michael. You should probably get on it because it's an absolute hotbed of gambling. The chat window next to the the screen where the game's going on is just full of people absolutely outraged that their over-under bets aren't coming in, which I don't know how surprised you can be when you're essentially betting on just like teenagers playing a computer game and they're all absolutely fuming that this or that game has been fixed or that they're, they're not trying hard enough to shoot, which is extraordinary. But it's it's crazy because obviously it comes with a computer-generated Martin Tyler and Alan Smith on the commentary. And it's perfectly able to follow. If you've played FIFA, you'll know exactly what it's like, but you can just sit and watch. And the crowd noise is uh, artificial. In fact, they're going to be using crowd noise from computer games on, on actual Premier League matches, so that's a direct lift. They may as well, you know, if they can't have the actual commentators, just use the AI off of FIFA and just have it automated. No reason for anybody to attend. You can just, even in Spain, they were talking about using similar technology to just project like CGI crowds into the stands. None of this chip shop, cardboard cutout nonsense. They were just going straight in with the computerized projections, probably the same stuff that they use for our um, advertising hoardings at Elland Road. You're supposed to be able to put different companies on those, depending on where the person's watching, aren't you? So it'll be all that kind of technology brought in and all this stuff was supposed to creep up on us very slowly over the course of time, this has gone bang, do it all at once. I, I think some of what um, Sky and, and BT are talking about in the uh, the Premier League, they're bringing, Sky are bringing a version of fan zone back. They want cameras in tunnels. They were talking about trying to get, apparently they have a, a contractual thing already where they can interview staff and players at halftime and potentially during games, but the staff have to agree to it. And they're trying to put that pressure on to bear to say, well, look, it's gonna be pretty boring, but maybe if we can we can talk to you while the game's going on, get an interview with uh, with Marcelo Bielsa in the twenty-fifth minute, all this kind of stuff that you thought would be really on the back burner. I think it may be hitting us like a like a wave. Essentially, I'm gonna tune in for the big match on Thursday, the twenty fifth of June, six o'clock, Burnley versus Watford. Um, I'm not even gonna watch us against Cardiff. I am saving myself for the the big restart of football. And I just get the feeling that I'm going to hate every second of it.
1: (laughs) That is on, isn't it, as well, that one? It's uh, free, Burnley versus Watford, the one that you've you've been waiting for. 25th of June, amazing.
3: I'm amazed it's free because I don't think any price they could charge would be high enough for the, the millions of people who will be rushing to tune into that one. Your birthday is in July, isn't it, Moscow? I mean, what's that got to do with anything?
1: It means that you might actually because you won't have ever had a birthday uh, promotion or been able to enjoy the football around your birthday, just think we could go up on or around your birthday
3: uh it's not on not on the games are uh, on it, there are some around it, but who
2: cares? I will say as a Leeds fan with a may birthday i 've also never been able to enjoy football on my birthday it's just been playoff defeats,
1: yeah, same here, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but in theory, I could have enjoyed it if we weren't shit.
1: Murderball. We'll finally find out this week what Murderball is all about. Phil Hay is going to be writing about it on the Athletic. We're going to be speaking about it on our podcast that's coming in the second half of this week. It's released on a Friday morning UK time, and all the return to action that we've been discussing today. We'll have the very latest on that in the second half of the week. Uh, Phil's interview with AD White is in um, is on the Athletic now. If you want to uh, catch up with what he's been doing, and a guy who had he promised a lot did AD White, but sadly um, injuries kind of did for him. Everything on The Athletic, ad-free. Same with the podcast as well. If you're a subscriber, there's no surveys, pop-ups. Clickbait any of that. Just quality stories told like you won't get anywhere else. And you can use our discount if you head to theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Now, it's Leeds United's policy not to comment on the COVID testing. But as we understand it, there has been one positive test at Leeds. Not in the most recent round of tests, but the one prior to that. Burn the witch. But the numbers are encouragingly low aren't they in all seriousness that um, it's not absolutely rampant because you'd have to think that if if it was rampant throughout the clubs and you were getting 10 or 20 at each club every time then then season would be over. Mind you, we'd be in the Premier League. Yeah, it's hard to balance
2: that, isn't it? But it's better that people don't have this and aren't spreading it around. So yeah, it's starting to... The, the rise to 10 last time around felt a little bit like it says some alarm bells going but two's fine. We can live with two. Is it
3: cynical? I suppose it's only a member of staff at Barnsley so they probably wouldn't have been playing against us. I noticed that um, Barnsley did comment on, on them accounting for the positive staff and said the member of staff affected is safe and upbeat. So presumably they live in one of the nicer parts of South Yorkshire and only have to go to Barnsley for work. And they're uh, glad of the opportunity to stay home for a couple of weeks.
1: One of the things that the coronavirus crisis has brought about has been the issue with ticketing. And we praised the club the other week for being quite clear in their messaging. It's been good to hear them being very direct and and forthright about what they're going to do in terms of refunds and offering credit and so on and so forth. Four options then for the various tickets have been announced today, actually. Do we want to have a quick dash through those and and see which one you'd go for? You know which one I'd go
2: for. (laughs) Well, there are two very simple ones. There's support the academy, which means all your money just goes to the academy. There's a refund, which means you get all your money back. And then there's some middle ground options, which are Uh, well, a club bundle, which is for the game that's not on Sky, for the Luton game that's in, you receive a live stream of the match plus a gift card, which will be the remainder of of that balance plus 20%.
3: Yeah, it gets a bit complicated on that one. It's the whole get your calculator out while you're looking at adding additional 20% extra to your balance on a club retail. I mean, does that mean that if if I bought a club retail gift card worth £1,000, they would add 20% to that balance? Because if so, I mean, that would be a, a stunning investment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it means that. Okay. And it's worth noting as well that this the club bundle uh, for the Luton game versus the retail gift card that is available for the Fulham game is all down to whether Sky is showing the game or not. It has this asterisk next to it saying that if... Because this was announced before the, the fixtures were released and that if... Um, the Luton game had been chosen for Sky, then that club bundle wouldn't apply anymore. It would just be the the gift card, and that's the situation for the uh, the remaining six games. It is worth, we didn't mention before when we are talking about the fixtures that the last six games are still all TBC because Sky may yet decide to move them for broadcast, which if ever there was a, a sign that football in the championship is well and truly back, it's having a fixture list with six out of nine Having uncertainty over whether they'll be played at the actual time and date or not, but um, yeah, it's interesting that that is still the uh, one of the big provisos as to what you can go for.
2: Yeah, or the third option is that you just get to keep that value on account, so it just sort of sits there and you spend it whatever.
3: Well, it does say only on a, a oh, I mean 2021 now,
2: isn't it? Sorry, yeah.
3: membership renewal. Yeah, which I'm not sure what the value of that may be yet next season. So, but it's probably a good thing to offer just in case.
1: Well, option number four is the refund. And Michael, you said in previous weeks, and it's probably worth just returning to this um, this point that I don't think anybody should feel ashamed for deciding that the refund is the thing that they want. Because whilst we all have a deep emotional attachment to Leeds United, it is a business that has to sustain itself and we are under no pressure whatsoever to prop it up when times get a wee bit difficult, as much as we might be emotionally inclined to. So, you know, if you need that money back or you feel like you should be having it, then don't be fearful of of taking the refund out of some loyalty. And frankly, if you sat through the Bates, Chilino, GFH years, you deserve
2: some money back for something. I know it's not necessarily this season you deserve money back for, but just take it for, think of those games you watched. Think of the Paul Heckingbottom era. Think of the refunds you deserve from that.
1: Forty quid tickets in League One on the baits—is this finally the payback that we get? And it took a pandemic to do it. Yeah, I mean, Andrea Radzuan, has got he's got
2: money, isn't he? I don't feel bad about it. I'd, I'd happily, I'd happily leave my money on account to buy. Uh, in all honesty, I would, I would leave money in there to just say, look, I'll spend this when I want. At some point in the future, against cup tickets or a future season ticket or something. But yeah, if be, there's I don't think it needs to become a competition where people are trying to outfan each other.
3: No, and there's only losers if you go down. That route because we are at the end of, well, no, we're still in the midst of of months when people are having difficulties with work and with furloughing, or with being just laid off completely, and people who are self employed who basically bottom of the pile, and then people who own their own businesses are struggling to pay other people. So, money has been a big problem for pretty much everybody, with the obvious exceptions of the very rich or the reasonably rich. So, if you need that money back, take it, have it, it's yours, it's fine.
1: Or leave it on account if you're planning to buy one of the new shiny Adidas shirts when they get announced because they ain't going to be cheap, baby.
3: Worth it though, maybe. I mean, I
2: won't buy one, of course, but it'll be worth it when I wait for them to go in the sale.
1: Now, contrast League United's approach with Sunderland, who stood out rather a lot in League One in terms of being one of the few clubs that was like, ah, screw you, we're keeping your money. <laughs> that
2: was, they could have saved a bit of time writing the statement by saying that, just saying, yeah, you sort of, we've finally got that now, haven't we? So we're just going to keep it that's all right even if it's not all right in fact we're gonna keep it
3: it was great as well that after they initially announced it and they got a flood of questions from fans basically going are you sure their response was yeah we're totally sure here's a big q a explaining exactly how sure we are that we are not giving you any money back even if you can't you can have a streaming pass but if you can't watch the game we don't fucking
2: care and also the bit that was if there if you're a family of Five who all have a season ticket, you get a streaming pass each. That's good value. You can watch it on five separate tellies.
3: I'm surprised they didn't offer to sell them the tellies as well.
2: They have backed down on this now, haven't they? I think to an extent, anyway, because quite rightly everyone went mental at them and said that's essentially theft is <laughs> what you've done there. Because it wasn't even just for this season, is it? Either was it? It wasn't because <laughs> this season I can see that there is a difficulty of you know, they've, they've, had, they've had absolutely no way of planning for this, and the majority of the season ticket has been had. So you could kind of say, well, just for this season, you might get away with it, but this kind of also went, yep, and if you've paid up for next season, same deal, I'm afraid. So you get games, you get 23 games worth a tenner, essentially, for your season ticket, rather than four, five, 600 quid, whatever you've paid for it.
3: And I mean, they may be facing difficulties, and this should be borne in mind as well, when if anybody's still wavering over needing their money back from Leeds and, and not wanting to do it, Spurs have taken out something like a 300- million pound loan from the bank of england under the the coronavirus support scheme so it's it's payable back at a rate of half a percent so it's very you know generous terms for a for a loan of that size and certainly something that a football club should be able to manage so that option that kind of facility is available to sunderland afc if they are struggling with the fact that their supporters have decided they want their hard-earned back
1: And somewhere in the distance over the Pennines, you've got Peter Ridgedale going, oh, you can get a massive loan, can you? I could spend all that on players. If we'd had this loan
2: facility available to us back in the year 99, 2000, whenever he was taking this out, we'd have been fine with this deal, this very low rate of interest. Things wouldn't have gone as badly wrong as they did.
3: I think there is a proviso that you are not allowed to spend that money on footballers.
2: Yeah, but you can spend it on other stuff, which then frees up your money to spend on footballers,
1: can't you? There's logic in there. There's there's no way that somebody's getting their hands on two hundred million quid and going. Okay, well, we'll spend, we're spending all that on the academy. What's the academy budget for next year? Nil. <laughs> that has been redirected. It just so happens we've we've paid every other every other cost the football club has
2: out of this. And then would you believe it? Having done that, there's now a spare few hundred million pounds sloshing around, which we can spend on uh, on Lionel Messi. Brilliant news.
3: The alternatives is that these clubs do spend it all on the academy and suddenly they've signed 200 youngsters and nobody else has a, a single young footballer in the country. You can come and buy them off us. That's fine.
1: Just talking about that rebate that you were on about before Moscow, um, we have dodged a bullet there to a certain extent uh, that it's only 10 million quid because you imagine that the EFL is teetering on the very edge of bankruptcy. Well, it was anyway. And you imagine 10 million quid is going to actually put a pretty serious dent in the whole enterprise.
2: Yeah, not everyone's as lucky as Derby, who just have an eighty million pound stadium they can that can sell to raise funds. So, got to got to think of those people.
3: This does remind me. I noticed um, Swiss Ramble, the the football financing account, did a a run through of Reading FC's finances, and my God, even before the coronavirus, that football club is an absolute shambles. It's it doesn't register because nobody gives a fuck because they're Reading and it just doesn't matter. Nobody cares. But they occasionally pop up in those charts of like uh, wage ratios, and you say, "Oh, Reading 200, is two
2: hundred percent was Reading's, wasn't
3: it? <laughs> something absolutely ridiculous." And you look at that, and you go, "Oh, yeah, that, that's pretty. That's pretty bad." But then you actually read through the the thread of tweets about their finances, and just it's all, in every single respect, every aspect, they're completely fucked. And it's it's annoying. You kind of see the uh, the attitude of. Of the owners of like Accrington Stanley and and Barnsley, when they've been talking about it as well, they say, "Look, we're we're actually really well run." And you know, Barnsley's attitude is that they're they're ready for anything, and they'll fight you tomorrow if you if they have to. And Accrington are always upfront about the money that comes in and, and comes out. But then you look at fucking Reading, Jesus Christ, doing
2: a Reading just isn't a thing, though, is it? Because like you say, no one's bothered enough. Nobody gets, I mean, it would
3: be easier all round if they just closed down. <laughs> There's been all this hullabaloo about who should be in, in what divisions and coming up promotions from non-league. And you could settle a lot of it by just close Reading down and then everybody shuffle up and down to, to fill the space. And it's fine. Nobody's going to miss them.
1: I'll do what Robert Maxwell proposed during the 1980s, whenever it was, which was the Thames Valley Royals just merging with Oxford. I'm sure that would go down absolutely fine, wouldn't it?
2: I was going to suggest doing it on like a family fortune style thing where everyone has to name football clubs. And if anyone, if anyone's, it's like, if Reading ends up being a pointless answer, I'm mixing my TV quiz shows here, but whoever's a pointless answer just gets booted out of the league. People are like, ah, oh, I'd forgotten about Cheltenham. Sorry, gone.
1: <laughs> you say that things couldn't get any worse for um, for Reading. Like they're completely fucked. The one aspect where they're not fucked is because they haven't got Massimo Cellino yet, but that rumour reared its beautiful head this week.
2: Yeah, he seems to have he's been away from England in love, for enough time that he seems to remember loving it,
3: which isn't actually true. It's very familiar from when he came to leeds he's it, there was a long report in um oh, i can't remember which of the the football websites in italy it was but they they were basically saying here are all the reasons why uh massimo Cellino might want to to go away and go back to england and angry and tired of running brescia was one of the the quotes and it, when he came from Cagliari in the first place that first came on the radar because he was basically pissed off over all the, well, basically about being thrown in jail over their, their rebuilding of the, the stadium. And his whole attitude was, um, and because the fans were getting at him because he was holding games 500 miles away to prove a point over this new stadium business. And he, I can remember reading the report where he was basically, he was going to Miami and he was sick of Italy and he was sick of Calgary and he probably just going to go and buy leads. And how do you like that? And that was the first we ever saw about it. And then, He seems to be getting that thing, fuck this. And, you know, surprise, surprise, the the stadium business is still dogging him horrendously to the point that he has actually been given since those reports about him being angry and tired. He can now add to the fact that he's got a two-year jail term um, imposed on him for landscape violations. uh, An engineer involved has also got them as well due to um, something to do with the, the state of the execution of the works. The Google Translation,
0: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals
0: like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
3: And The level of detail of the stories I've seen on this don't really go into what these landscape violations are. I don't know if he used the wrong kind of flowers, if he's putting a hedge in the wrong place, whether it's a case that's... Garden gnomes. <laughs> there's garden gnomes Tameless. that people don't like. Whether he's done a Stephen Bywater and he's he's constructed something horrendous at the perimeter and he's claiming it's modern art, or whether it's a bigger, or it's a term in company, a bigger a bigger deal like um, landscape, uh, like engineering works, that are either way, he's got two years for it.
2: Is this going to be a prison sentence he'll actually serve, or is it one of
3: these Italian ones
2: that
1: never happens? Suspended, wasn't
3: it? Yeah, he claims not. He says he uh, he will continue to ask for justice with as much humility as I have done up to now saying, I have to clean the name for my children, which I'm not sure his children particularly. Um, they didn't show much evidence of caring about whether his name was clean or not when they were in Leeds. It's worth for the interest of balance that all the accusations of embezzlement were dropped. Giovanni Coco, his uh, famous um, lawyer who we became familiar with when he was at Leeds, Johnny Coconut, has managed to a success and it was hailed as a success. There was, apparently there were some tears in the courtroom. At the beauty of Giovanni managing to get the accusations of embezzlement dropped from all concerned, including the former mayor, Mauro Contini. Even a suspended prison sentence, I think, may I wonder if the AFL, now that Sean Harvey is less involved or not involved, they might take a dimmer view of whether he can come and buy a football league club and then they sort of look at it and go, Oh, should we have let him do that? As they ended up doing with with Leeds for so long.
1: I'm all for him returning to England because he's not coming back to us. And that's the important bit. One of the good things that he did do was employ Gary Monk. Now we will come on to him in Heroes and Villains, but he's been having a little beef. And we'll talk about Pep Clotet um, in relation to that as well in just a bit. But let's talk about some actual football stuff before we get round to all that. We've been uh, linked to an octopus, which might be useful. I mean, maybe in goal, all those arms might be even better than Meslier's extended limbs. This was the Bailey Peacock Farrell thing wasn't it didn't we am I
2: remembering this right that we completely lost it talking about grafting extra limbs onto bailey peacock Farrell.
3: we thought it might improve his uh, his general play and I, i'm yet to be proven wrong this guy have you watched
2: the the kind of showreel of this guy that we're signing who who does have a name let's be fair to him what's his name florentino luis his name is opolvo the octopus that's his name you can see when you're watching play you can see why his whole showreel normally these things have got people blasting it into the top corner his is just people running at him and him dangling a leg out and taking the ball off him and then passing it 10 yards and doing that over and over again. He looks great. I love him.
3: I'm watching it now. How's he going to uh, fit into our team if that's his job?
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a Calvin job, isn't it? He's the Calvin sort of Adam Foreshaw type role, isn't it? Just in the, the water carrier type role, he seems to be in this um, in this highlights reel. Calvin to centre-back for a long long-term change, maybe? I don't know.
3: I mean, we've all been crying out about how are we going to replace Ben White. We don't. We just play Calvin there. We sign this kid, and problem solved. And we don't even have to spend any money. Perfect.
2: Could be a plan. It looks good though. From from this uh, very limited clip, it's, if I had to liken to him to someone, it'd be like Cante uh, or someone. Just looks. He looks awkward to play against.
3: Victor has probably just heard us saying that we don't need to sign anybody. He's absolutely sobbing into his database, tearing up his folders, throwing them in the bin.
1: I do all this work for nothing. He fits the bill though in terms of the fact that he's twenty-one. And unlike last uh, week's
2: transfer link, probably not a descendant of a Nazi, which is good news. We should stress that the, what was
1: his name, the Argentinian bloke? Gooch. He was called Adolf as well, which didn't help. Adolf Gooch. Adolf Gooch. Yes, probably not descended from Nazis. We just want to clear that one up. If you did hear the show last week, that was just the joke, wasn't it, Michael? Yes. We've also heard from Gitano Barardi this week on the football front, looking lovely as ever with his big uh, lockdown haircut. Still glorious though. What I did like from this was when he was asked about what his best game was, and he doesn't know. <laughs> Sometimes you think you play a good game, and then the day after, Marcelo will kill you, and that's why we love him. He
2: did reluctantly name a couple of games afterwards, but he was like, eh, I don't, I don't know." He's just a really nice fellow, isn't he? We said it when we interviewed him ages ago, but. He just keeps coming through in this, like the bit when he's saying, why is he number 28? And he's like, oh, because I was originally number 27. Then someone else wanted that. So I said, yeah, it's fine. You can have it. I'll be 28 instead. And he's just stuck with that ever since. And if someone turned up at Leeds tomorrow and said, can I have number 28? He'll probably be like, ah, yeah, it's fine. I'll just do something else. What's available? 43, lovely. Oh, not 43. Clitch has got that, But <laughs> yeah, he? But yeah, he'll take, what, he'll take what he can get.
3: He's very much along those lines of, even though he's 100% committed for, 90 minutes, the end of the game, just goes home, can't remember what shirt he was wearing and just marks it down, yep, 7 out of 10 again, that'll do.
1: And as a man with close links to Italy, he likes pizza so no surprises there, but you imagine that the, the bar is set quite high in terms of pizza that he will accept, but he does have one recommendation and, and there was a great deal of sweetness in this um, in this recommendation. His friend in Glecchiton, which
2: I really like that as a, as a pronunciation of he was, uh, he wasn't. Do
3: you think he wasn't allowed because to name the place that's doing good pizza maybe they're not on deliveroo who was sponsoring this whole interview Mm -hmm. (laughs) had to be edited out bless them but if you can identify who berardi's friend in cleckerton is i'd like to i don't know if i'd go to cleck for good pizza maybe hudders probably not facts but it's good to know where these places are for for future reference
1: just other little things in there that Janny is a special guy, we knew that. He's
3: crazy, he's a smart guy, but it's nice to have him in the team. A
2: smart guy was news to us, wasn't it? This is the first time that's ever been mentioned.
3: Janny's another one who speaks a lot of languages, remember?
2: Including some animal ones, which is tremendous. He's the only one in the squad who does.
3: We also had the stuff about um, his the most difficult moments uh, after being sent off against Derby last season and spending, spending weeks thinking about it and not being able to enjoy anything and then feeling like, after the Millwall red card, I can't remember now the name of the dickhead referee who sent him off for that, but Berardi's reaction that if it's like this, maybe it's time to go away and don't come back. If nobody does anything for this, it means I have to leave. There are no circumstances under which it will be time for Berardi to go away and don't come back. Even if Gaetano goes away, come back. And he can go away again for a bit. You know, it's, that, that is the future. Not going away and not coming back. There are no, I can't think of other words that I would like to hear least from Guitano Berardi. I think
2: what I came across in this as well, I was—I don't know why I started thinking about Steve Morrison when I was watching this and his general attitude to being a shithouse and being absolutely awful in every Leeds game he played. Berardi clearly has been torn apart by his bad games he's had and wants to put it right. Whereas Steve Morrison's approach was basically, so what, not my fault. Not my fault, I was always shit, is it? So what else should have been better?
3: Happy to wind people up. And that's that's how he kind of always justified his time at Leeds, that when he came back, he was uh, he was proud to get under the noses of everybody at Leeds and really annoy them. Whereas, well, it's clear from this, he thinks he's upset everybody. He'll just go away and never come back and never bother them again.
1: Just go listen to his Metallica albums, eh? Limp Biscuit, And you knew he'd, he'd be into Guns N' Roses, a little bit of hair metal.
3: It suits him. And of course, he threw in a, a reference for Skylights as well, because he's he's thrown in as many kind of shout outs for his mates as he possibly can. He did give a little shout
2: out to Anthony as well, who is uh, told him who was telling him good outdoor places to go and take pictures. and so at the square balls, Anthony will claim him as for our own.
3: Yes, Anthony Crudson, a regular contributor to the, the magazine, who uh, publishes chats from Baradi from time to time, as well as plenty of other... Articles um, wrote about Alex Sabella last season. That was a good one. So there's, there's these little references, his mate in, Cleck, in uh, Cleck Eaton and Anthony and Skylights. He's, from when we interviewed him, I mean, I noticed we don't get a, a mention in this interview, but his English has improved a lot in the last two years, I think. Not quite to the, the Jan Moby level when Moby was talking Scouse at Liverpool and we've not got Berardi into a, a broad Yorkshire accent just yet, but give given a little bit more time. You know, no reason to, to go anywhere until you've mastered the accent, Baradi. That's what I'm saying. He did say he liked Leeds. Of course he likes Leeds. He's a sensible man. I did think as well, for
2: all of his um, you know, reputation he has as a wild man and a this lunatic, favourite TV programmes were MasterChef and X Factor. It's just the most middle of the road, nice, sensible, watching it with your tea. sort of programme you can imagine. So He's tameable.
3: Are you the, one, the man to tame him? Is that what you're saying? Oh, I'd love to watch MasterChef with him.
1: If you've got legal stuff that you need to take care of, whether it's personal or business, get in touch with Levi Solicitors, our partners here on the podcast. 20% off for key worker groups and 10% off for absolutely everybody else. So, the personal stuff, there's loads of stuff for like conveyancing, wills, dispute resolution. On the business side, employment issues, debt recovery, licensing, all that sort of stuff to take care of it all. 10% square ball discount, 20% for key workers. Levi uk forward slash the square ball. Back end of the podcast now then where we do heroes and villains, people who've done good and bad buyers across the last seven days. First is the Ken Bates Villainy Award with Ken Bates getting the first nomination or one of the Ken Bateses that we've found from around the world. Is it still Kenneth Bates City Council Award 2?
2: It is. There's, he's, as we know, he's booted most Leeds fans off and he still doesn't realise what's happening on his Facebook page essentially despite the fact his best efforts to try and kick people off. Someone, Ben Phelps, commented, you can't silence all of us. Hashtag MOT. Not realising what Ben Phelps is on about Kenneth Bates City Council Ward 2 has replied, let freedom of speech reign! And he's put, I'm not happy with the way he's capitalised certain bits of it either. It's all, none of it's right.
1: Maybe the schools need a, a bit of extra funding then in um, Casper, Wyoming. Maybe that's something he could turn his attention to so he can get his, uh, his spag right. I think last
2: week he was trying to kill off the children by putting them in infected swimming pools. So hopefully that'll reduce class sizes
1: for him. And knowing how litigious the Americans are, we just want to stress, again, for the record, he wasn't attempting to kill anybody. It just sounded like he wanted to reopen swimming pools, which sounds like a bad idea. We, I think we can say that objectively at the moment. Uh, who else would you like to nominate? Little Lee Johnson,
2: because he thinks he's the next big thing, doesn't he? Hey, if he can just grow a few inches and all that. But he's trying to be a so He's had a big, a big screen taken to Bristol's training ground. And this is why he isn't Bielsa because he's had a big screen taken there which I doubt he really knows what he's doing with it but then he also admitted he took it home to watch films on
1: I mean has he had a big sc- is it a big screen or is it a normal size screen that just looks big next to him <laughs> it's,
2: it's 32 inches it's uh, it's, it's, pre- it's pretty big It's uh, he, he can't quite reach the top of it
1: can he lift
3: the remote It's vision to him just toppling over backwards I'm, I'm very intrigued by him taking it home because he says in this Covid period I had this mad idea in my head I was desperate to bring this big screen home and play it in my car park. I mean, I I live in a flat, so I don't have a garden, but I'm aware that other people do. I don't know how many people have their own car park. How much are Bristol paying this man?
2: Yeah, you'd describe it as a driveway normally, wouldn't you? If anything. Maybe, I suppose, the size of his little um, noddy car that he, I imagine he drives. He can probably fit at least a dozen of them, and he's in a normal-sized semi-detached car, the uh, driveway, I imagine. So maybe he's just thinking of that instead.
1: I definitely designate mine as a as a, uh, as a driveway, Michael. You're right there. Because if you call it a bloody car park in Bradford, I'm going to end up with teenagers doing donuts in it.
2: Anyway, he had a fantastic evening, uh, roasting marshmallows over a fire pit, literally with this eight foot by 10 foot screen. It's absolutely brilliant. I loved it. But it didn't go down to totally well the analysts and the CEO. So I to get back as quickly as possible. Sounds like he might have actually had a letter from HR there, warning him about stealing stuff like that. That is part of the training ground. Bring it the fuck back now.
3: And bring back the booster seats too again to this guy you can work when he's talking about using it actually at training you can work slick on the side of the pitch during the drill or session that you're working on is he rapping it's they quickly move onto the big screen and either show some inspiration or an animation that goes alongside the drill you're working on it's like (laughs) like a kid's tv show
2: What was the Steve Evans film that was meant to be inspiring? That I just it just made me giggle in a way that was really
3: sick. Are you talking about using this 32-inch 10 by 8 giant screen to show Steve Evans' motivational video of a baby that had no arms and legs that inspired leads to? Didn't we lose? Did not we fucking lose anyway? We did.
2: I think the whole image was just it was just really tragic of Steve Evans trying to use this thinking it would it would get people going and a bemused dressing room of disinterested footballers being like, right, Steve, thanks for that. Just going to go out and uh, and lose now. So you're uh, you, you're not staying much longer, are you? No, you'll be, you'll be gone soon enough. Thank you very much.
3: I love as well, just back to Lee Johnson, that his closing remarks on this is that it definitely benefits the younger players because they love the telly, don't they? Kids, just sit them down in front of the telly. They're probably the whole academy programme will have been replaced by just sitting and watching CBBS on his massive screen in his car park. On his booster cushion. They'll probably be lending it to him. Could you... So I may be on the eight, but can you see? His little leg
2: swinging off the edge of the chair. That's exactly what I was just picturing, yeah, him swinging him excitedly because he's got Toy Story 3 on or something.
1: On to Gary Monk, that he's got to have a nomination, as we mentioned a little bit earlier on, because Christ, he's been just going on and on and on.
3: I mean, you can laugh about Lee Johnson, but fuck me. this It's all about the clubs finding out that the return date for football was the 20th of June, and they found out 40 minutes before the EFL announced it, and QPR weren't happy. Apparently, there's a lot of clubs weren't happy. But Jesus Christ, Gary Monk is not happy. And I can't go through. I've pasted in like all the – this is not even all the quotes. These were all the quotes – that so I, I went through a report of his interview that I thought basically repeated themselves. And it's this every single part of it is circular and comes back to the opening line where he says, in terms of the return date, if we're honest, we're all taken aback by that. Having spoken to other managers and people at other clubs, there's no prior correspondence or consultation to that return date, which was surprising. And then you've got the backdrop to back. I think it's well known. It'll be working Pretty much a minimum of a week beyond the Premier League. We had a to meet a few weeks ago in the EFL and the the Championship. One thing we all asked for, and there was an agreement of we would have a minimum of three weeks contact training. So, considering when that announcement came, contact training has not even been signed off. We didn't even know what it was going to be. It's only signed off. Yes, our contract, our first contact will be Thursday. So, we're ready in two and a half weeks. We've only just started contact training. Like I said contact training only started. It's a huge risk. Shut up, Gary, please. At the general consensus, all the managers, was we was working almost a week behind the Premier League. Because we was working a week behind the Premier League. We were working a week behind... We kind of assumed it would be the week after the Premier League because we were working a week behind the Premier League. I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, but this is not far from how it fucking really is. And even when he's asked about, are they going to play any friendlies, his answer to whether they're going to play any friendlies is basically says that they're going to, they're going to play games in-house rather than bring in clubs from outside but it's still it goes on and on so we have 10 weeks off and do a week's training like we have and only just now i have two and a half weeks of contact if you follow that guidance and have done it like we have i don't think there's any manager could can sit here and say it's the right preparation that the train is on the track and you have to deal with it and try and overcome that and the best we can Or just fucking moan on and on and on about it we have a week less than we thought and we've got to be prepared for either one uh, we'll see what happens.
1: It's such a short space of time. He's wasted half a day's worth of training saying all that.
3: <laughs> Thanks. Exactly. It just goes on. and I mean, it's first.
2: Are we getting, are we getting the balls out now, Gaffer? Do you have a bit of a, well, just a minute. I'm finished.
3: <laughs> the opening line of all this is, in terms of the return date, if we are honest, we're all taken about aback by that and it's about 1200 words later when it gets to the end but in terms of preparation it is inadequate for sure if you follow the guidelines that you start on the 25th like uh, we have it is inadequate and no manager can tell you any different but we have to deal with it so he, he just and he mentions that day the 25th comes up i think at least three times and then compared to the 20th and we were supposed to have four weeks we've only had three and we're actually only going to hit two and a half and do you know the managers thought this we're a week behind the Premier League now we're not a week behind God it's no wonder everybody who works with him hates him even Massimo Cellino wants this man in court right who else (laughs) well yes from we seem to be just doing a tour of our least favourite managers but fucking Neil Warnock
2: he did say he wanted us to go up he said we're a great club he did all his usual shtick
3: he's changed his fucking tune though hasn't he and he thinks we'll go up as well, but do you remember a while ago it was Brentford who were going up because they have the best squad.
2: Yeah, he's made that bowl the bowl claim that we might be now going up now a 66-1 to one on to go up he's, uh, you know, he's changed his mind, he's come round to it, but he's still concerned that uh, that Marcelo doesn't have a plan B I
3: mean, you look at his bench, don't you he just, I don't see a big lad on there I don't see a, 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 a an Idiakin Baye or a Neil Shipley you know, someone who's going to come on and really change a game you know.
2: That's the thing with this, like Warnock's In the same way as Bielsa's uh, plan B is plan A better. Warnock's plan A a bit bigger and with more strikers was basically all he's ever done through his career. He's just put more big lads on up front, get the ball harder and higher and more in the box than before. Well,
3: exactly what used to happen 10 minutes before the end of a fucking Sheffield United game. Right, lads, we're a goal down, but don't worry. We're going 3-1, 3-3. We're going to press with the fullbacks. Fullbacks are going to attack. Overload on the left. Everybody, right, keep possession I want 80% possession for the next 10 minutes attack constantly I didn't see that as a plan B from fucking one his fucking plan B was here Brownie go on pretend you're injured we'll get the game called off How
2: that. and sometimes his plan B was just to bring on substitutes so they'd get an appearance bonus it is for his favourite lads who may or may not have um, seen it favourable favourably in uh, Warnock's favour
3: wow is that everybody
2: <laughs> who else uh, uh, Steve Evans
3: has he said anything lately <laughs>
2: He's not, only because no one's asked him.
3: He's desperate to be asked constantly, isn't he? He'll be, he'll be looking up, uh, he'll be taking his fucking VHS combi portable down to Gillingham, sticking it next to the training pitch. I'll
2: get, get I some- bet he talks about Leeds endlessly at, at whatever shit club he's at now. I bet he'll just go on about being Leeds managers of people and be like, yeah we, yeah, we remember you there. You didn't do that well. You were there because they had a lunatic in charge who decided to put you in there for some reason.
3: He discovered Lewis Cook though, didn't he? Oh, he did. Ronaldo Vieira, that's another one of his.
2: Bailey Peacock Farrell, yeah, yeah. All these youngsters he helped bring through.
3: They still call me now. If if ever they're, they're out somewhere, they need a, a takeaway recommendation. They phone me up. Let's just give it to Lee Johnson and move on. Okay. Uh,
1: who's having the Andy Hughes Hero Award then? Let's run through our candidates.
2: Well, I put Pep Clotet in there because it's been announced that he's leaving Birmingham City uh, at the end of the season. And I like to think he's got a plan to go to Sheffield Wednesday. I've got a, a glorious vision of him walking in the door at Hillsborough as Gary Monk is walking out and doing a huh? <laughs> doing a little point at him as he's as, he, as Chris go, no not him anyone but him so that's what I'm hoping he's up to so it remains to be seen but it's uh, you yeah, know I, I like I like his work this season anyway in both in letting us win that ridiculous game and in the way he's wound up Gary Monk I think he just deserves a bit of credit on his way out.
1: Although he did patch it up with Monk in the end, didn't he? So maybe, you know, these other opportunities that he's going to explore are becoming a snake charmer.
2: Hey. I don't think it was much of a patch up, was it? As I recall, it was very much, we've had a chat. Yeah. We've had a chat.
3: There is a little bit about his future intentions that, that contradicts the the hope there, but I only mentioned it because it reflects quite well on him. He did a, a an interview near the start of the lockdown when he, he mentioned that his family had gone back to Spain and, he was finding it quite difficult, but just you know, concentrating on his work in, in Birmingham. And it does sound like apparently the understanding in, in one report is he's decided that once he's got Birmingham through the remaining games, he's going to go back to Spain where his family are and just regroup there and, uh, and explore the post-coronavirus world in his home country.
2: That's, that's all a trick to upset Monk even more. But you said he was going back. He said he was going to Spain. This ain't Spain. I don't know why he's become more cockneyy. All of a sudden, but I don't even know where Gary Monk's from. He's just generically southern-sounding, isn't
3: he? To these northern ears, yes. Where is he from? It's a good question. I'm just having a look. Somewhere uninteresting. Oh, of course he is. All right, I'll give you th- three guesses.
1: Well, I won't guess because uh, I am on Wikipedia and I can see where he was born.
3: Okay, Michael, you. Michael, you've got three guesses. Uh, Watford. Close. Hemel Hempstead. Uh, Colder. You've gone further away. Think in terms of the word.
2: it is the word Watford yes Walford the
3: imaginary (laughs) EastEnders place change change uh, change three letters (laughs) this is too difficult just tell me Bedford where would you sleep in Walford Bedford
2: Bedford Bedford right of course it is uh, Bedford it's
3: the shit end of Luton fucking hell they even I mean they did name a county after it but it wasn't worth it less famous than the Vans
1: of course yeah right uh Return to Pep, Clotet, and Heroes. Not sure Pep's going to get it. He's not done that much, but who else? Calvin Phillips. He he's said
2: many good things this week, many wise things, but my favourite one was where someone put a big reply onto one of his Instagram posts, just telling Calvin, tell, like lecturing Calvin Phillips about how he was wrong about his opinions on uh, Black Lives Matter. And Calvin Phillips, in a lovely Calvin Phillips way, just said, shut up, mate, with some little full stops before. it was like, look, just just shut up, please. And I thought it was perfect. It's all he needed to say. No point getting in a debate about it. Just please stop talking.
3: The rest of his interview that he's done with the Yorkshire Evening Post has quite a lot of very interesting stuff, in it. particularly him pointing out that not many people realise that he's black. And the whole issue of his own identification and the way that people react to him, depending on how they perceive him, really cuts to a lot of the core of, of what this is all about of you know Calvin Phillips saying people essentially the people treat him one way because they they think he's white but they treat his friends and family another way because they know that they're black and that's what a lot of it all comes to in him sort of coming forward as a spokesman during this has been uh, very good to see during a lot of kind of quite upsettingly polarized arguing back and forth over the last over the last week. I think footballers, as much as it
2: shouldn't be on them to do this sort of stuff they are in a the- an almost unique position that they can speak to a group of people who maybe wouldn't ordinarily listen to this sort of stuff if it was coming from someone else. But because Calvin Phillips is saying that people might actually stop and have a little, a little listen to him, and he might he has a chance of changing some opinions. I would say.
3: And there is a, there's a point to remember in all this because the protests in America seem very distant, but it's it's not always apparent that uh, Colin Kaepernick, who is the American football player who drew attention in. Um, was slagged off personally by President Trump for um, protesting against police brutality by taking a knee during the National Anthem before every single game when they play it uh, back in 2016. He was doing all that at the San Francisco 49ers, who, of course, own 10 or 11% of Leeds United. So there's there's now, when you remember, seeing Calvin has been warned along with Liam Cooper has certainly got their money's worth out of the free uh, 49ers merch that they've been given but those kind of links that work in the background that kind of give you a different perspective on why it's important to take into account what's happening with protests in america even if they don't feel initially relevant here and it does fit in i was looking at a lot of the the replies to um, leads posting a, a black square on their twitter account and and what calvin was saying and tyler roberts saying and barry douglas supporting calvin and so on and the the constant raising of Kiko Kassia that we're the club of Kiko Kassia and so we shouldn't be speaking or thinking about Black Lives Matter until that's sorted which there is some truth in that because that does need to be faced head on and the the Myanmar trip is a very current issue that sort of can't be ignored but Leeds United as a club is the club of Albert Johansson and it's the club of Jerry Francis and of Lucas Radaby and we had at the weekend it was Tony Yeboah's birthday and we're all celebrating his volley into the uh, into the cop end and watching his goal at Wimbledon and when you think of the if you think of your top three goals of the, the 1990s you're looking at two boas and, and one Rod Wallace and to try and square that circle as a as a football fan and as a fan of Leeds United and to come to the conclusion that somehow equality for for black people and and justice are not important things to be talking about or are or are somehow boring leaves me a little I think it's good to to not worry too much about the, the temporary situation we have with Kiko Kisir, which hopefully once he's apologised and been transferred, we can get back to being the, the club we are. And I think Lucas Radaby is a, an interesting person to keep in mind at the moment because he did his uh, interview with Phil Hay the other week when he was talking about growing up in South Africa in 1976 and uh, when he said that life for him was a bit like a movie It says I was young probably only seven and you had people running along the street tear gas everything people running across your yard uh, that he got involved in um violence because he was joining in with pro Mandela protests and was being uh, met by police dispersing the pupils with tear gas it was one of the things that used to happen to Lucas Radaby and it did set me thinking kind of like at what point might it have been the uh, the end game that somebody just shot Lucas Raderby and that was the the end of him. Whether it's him never making it to Leeds because of what was going on in South Africa as a as a kid, or or one of the examples I, I took reading up on Colin Kaepernick, where the a Hall of Fame American footballer who was house hunting in a very fancy area got stopped by the police and questioned because he was black, and it didn't matter that he was as even more famous um, in his country than Lucas Raderby would be. In hours, so to pretend that all these things don't have any impact on uh, Leeds United Football Club or the or the fans who love watching players like Lucas and uh, Calvin Phillips play, you know that's part of the the discussion that's going on at the moment. Is just kind of just be a little bit involved in and aware of those kind of connections and events and the lives that people like Lucas Radaby have actually had, where it can be quite a glib. Thing to look at. Oh, he, you know, he came out of South Africa and wasn't that great. And if you look into the detail of it, it's more than great. It's a, it's a very difficult story, which is hard from a a white British perspective to really imagine. But it's worth imagining and worth getting into his shoes and thinking about it.
1: We should nominate Bielsa as well because he's been nice again this week. Just being the considerate human that he is.
2: Yeah, Bielsa has been bringing up his friend Felipe Berrios, who is a priest who he came to know in Chile just to check in on him, check on the coronavirus situation. He's a nice fella, isn't he? Because as well, this is stuff that he doesn't need to do. He's, Mas- he's Bielsa. People would understand if he was busy. If he- He's not chili manager. He hasn't been chili manager for years. People would understand if he
3: wasn't asking about this stuff. But he is, because he's great. I'd like him to ring me up, actually. Would you like him to ring you up? I live my days waiting for a, a phone call from Marcelo Bielsa. There was a nice um, extra detail in this story, and he actually sought Philippe, Out when he was manager of of Chile. I I don't know exactly um, Felipe Perez's role in the the church or or life in general in Chile, but he he says he was, um, I think the story's unclear because we're getting it through Google Translate and trying to make the best of it, but it sounds like when um, he was up a ladder doing some stuff when somebody came and said, Marcelo Bielsa has come to see you. And it's like, well, who's that? I have no idea who Marcelo Bielsa is and had no interest in football, whatever, but was so taken uh, with with Bielsa's visit to him and and how he was, that um, as he says, they're still friends to this day. That's lovely
1: stuff. Are those all our candidates then, or do we have anybody else?
3: We're not giving it to fucking Lee Johnson, are we? Not nominating <laughs> him for any heroics. Although I suppose maybe for being able to carry that big telly all the way to his his little car is that an achievement?
1: Do you reckon he's got one of those little Tikes cars? You know the red plastic ones with the yellow swinging doors. You know
3: the ones I mean. Another one. With pedals in the front.
1: Uh, No, we're not giving it to him. I think we should maybe give it to Calvin for making us think during difficult times. Yeah, and just being being
2: very measured in what he said, but forceful with it as well.
3: Our future captain and England's future
1: captain. Nice one, Calvin. And we look forward to you uh, dictating play from a deep line position in the coming weeks. Good stuff. Uh, We have an update on the booze baton. We do because it's that La Liga is returning,
2: isn't it? And that's where it, it lives at the moment. It's currently with uh, Atletico Madrid, after they managed to get it off Liverpool due to the Champions League, and this weekend, as it as it resumes, they go to da, 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 Athletic Bilbao. Ah, so this is where it can happen. They need to then hold it for quite a lot of games. Is the problem?
3: Does he play Barcelona? I'm not sure. Okay, are right, Atletico Madrid still in Europe? They are, because they won that Champions League. Game. Yeah, right. Yeah, so probably the the best chance for it is if they can lose it to. Bilbao or if they lose it to another team that then loses to Bilbao there's some permutations but keep it in Spain where we can't go but we could send um, Pep Clotet as our representative couldn't we
2: I mean we could just do it in Bilbao anyway like next year I think that'd be a nice idea well that's
3: what I meant I think that you know we need to wait for what's it called coronavirus that's right that's the one that that needs that that. that needs to stop and then we can we can go to Bilbao in the meantime, I think uh, Pep Tech could probably handle a party for 40,000 leads fans, couldn't
2: he? The UK version's still at Palace as well, which, let's face it, nobody wants.
1: Yeah, just for the benefit of you, if you are scratching your head listening to this going, what are they talking about? The booze baton, which broke off into being the sangria stick as well, was the location of our end of season promotion party, which could be a summer affair, probably next summer at this rate, but um, we will celebrate it at some point if and when we do
3: get up. Our end of season relegation from the Premier League party. Does Nathan Jones have any part to play in the various batons and sticks that are roaming the earth now that he's gone back to Luton.
1: Well, yes, we do play them at Ellen Road, don't we? Mm, I don't think it, it doesn't start again, does it? No, we can't, we can't go back to that. The Godrod now. The Godrod, yeah, the Godrod's gone. And just to further explain, it did change hands, it started with Leeds at the start of the season, did our, our party, and then it changed hands via Stoke, funnily enough, in the League Cup defeat, and then went off on its merry way around the clubs and the leagues and ended up uh, being broken off to, uh, to Madrid via the Champions League and so on and so forth. But um, we will sit and watch that one with a keen eye because we would like to celebrate at some point when it is safe to do so because, my God, it's going to be strange getting promoted and not being able to do anything, isn't it?
2: We will at some point, as long as, like Moscow says, we have not subsequently been relegated because that would slightly put a downer on it if we were celebrating promotion
3: at the same time. We'd probably need a drink if that's happened, though.
1: Speaking of drinks, here's one for you. We've got mugs on sale via the website. <laughs> The merchandise wow. store. Yeah, it was good that, wasn't it? Uh, Very good. The new Bielsa mugs should be all being well, back in stock and delivered to you in time for Father's Day if you want to get hold of those. The Leeds fighter mugs, the Street Fighter ones, coasters on there at the that, We'll wrap it up there for this week. Cheers for listening. We'll speak to you next week. The Square Ball Podcast.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.